Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Podcast. In this episode, we're going to hear from best-selling author of Rethink Work and Innovate Work Toronto keynote speaker, Eric Turundi. Eric is a globally recognized thought leader, author, and keynote speaker on the future of work and building teams that thrive. Eric has surveyed and interviewed thousands of leaders about what it takes to create teams that maximize their full potential. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Bill. I'm excited to be here and to be on the stage at Innovate Work in the end of November. So beyond my short introduction, please tell our listeners a bit more about yourself. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks again for, for having me here. And uh, I, I can't wait to be a part of, of Innovate Work at the end of the month. Um, my, my backstory is that we built a tool that quantified workplace culture. We found that organizations were having a tough time attracting and retaining that next generation of, of employee, mitigating poor tenure, mitigating high levels of anxiety, depression, loneliness in the workplace, and ultimately building a team that truly thrives. And we believe that the best way to the future is to build a rock solid foundation, and that foundation involves building strong teams and people that enjoy that thing they do more than anything else in a day. And of course, that's work. So when we we're able to quantify the employee experience, what we realized is that there was no universal best culture or best place to work. A great place for you might be a toxic place for me, and we realized that that's okay. So we helped organizations attract and retain not just people with the right skills, qualifications, and requirements, but the people who wanted that experience at work. And so we quantified things like how many emails do you get a day? How much time are you spending on the phone? How much time are you spending in meetings? Do you work by yourself or uh, with a team? Is it remote and flex work opportunities or not? And what we realized is that truly when we do identify what makes our community unique, uh, that's when we can build it more intentionally and create a more future-proof organization. So you're co-founder at Now Innovations. Uh, some of those, some of those core principles you mentioned there—that that's at the that's at the crux of of Now Innovations in terms of what it does and how it does it. Is that correct? That's correct. And there's also more to that too. My my co-founder Rocky Ozaki, he's a big believer in um, objectives and key results and sprint implementation. He's essentially creating agile organizations. And so when we can increase communication flow within an organization, when we can ensure that there's more transparency and better cadence of information within a team and within an organization, we find that they function better, uh, they're happier, and they're more productive at the same time. So we're essentially trying to help Organizations across the country build teams that are future-proof, starting from, again, that foundational component, the people that are working at them. Okay, thank you. Now, we at the, the HR Gazette, we write a lot about the, the war for top talent. Can, can you paint a picture of just how fierce it is out there at the moment for companies looking to attract the very best talent? Uh, yeah, that, that I think is, is an understatement, but it's only getting worse. Um, employment across the country now hasn't been this low since World War II. Uh, I just saw last week in the United States, and of course we have similar numbers. Unemployment is down to 3.5%, um, which again hasn't been seen since, since World War II, and, and that's a big deal. But I also think that we're looking at this war for talent wrong as well. Uh, so often I'll see, let's say a tech startup say that they're competing against Google or Amazon or Netflix or Facebook. You know, I'll see a small boutique accounting firm saying they're competing against Deloitte, against EY, Accenture, PwC, et cetera, et cetera. 
And here's the thing. I think in the past that may have been true, but when we look at what makes our team and what makes our organizations unique, in, in my opinion, and in, in the language that I use, what makes them really polarizing, what is it along the lines of workplace experience that we can say, heck yeah, or, or no to? And what is that true community and what is that true employee experience that we're building for people who are potentially coming to our teams? And when we know what those defining qualities are, what makes our employee experience unique. I believe that we're not really fighting a war for talent. I think we're really trying to fight a war for information and understand what makes our organizations unique, what makes our community strong. Uh, that is what story I think we can really double down on. Okay, big question for you now. So just at a high level, how important is company culture to attracting and retaining that very top talent? At the, at the most important, but I would also struggle with the way that we've defined or the way that we've understood workplace culture right now, because here's the thing. When, when you say workplace culture or values, you're going to have this language and a set of definitions that you have come to believe workplace culture and workplace values are. The problem I think about the modern working world today is that many organizations will say they have a good culture and it's, and it's not that they're lying. It's that a good culture doesn't look the same from place to place. The best place to work in the United States right now is Hilton. It's rated number one best place to work on Fortune magazine. The number two best place to work in America is Salesforce. So let's get this clear. You could be working by making beds you know, at the bellhop desk as a concierge or checking people in at a hotel, or you could be in the top of the tower in Indianapolis or Nashville working in a cubicle for Salesforce taking a nap in the nap pod and then playing in the ball pit before getting back to work at your desk on a computer and both truly enjoy that experience at work. So yes, a good workplace culture is imperative, but understanding what makes it good for the people that are in that place of work is even more important because as soon as we try and attract people to Salesforce that want to be working at Hilton, they're not going to think that that's a good place to work. And as soon as we attract people to Hilton that should be working at Salesforce because they both advertise they have great places to work, I think we're missing the mark. So is a good culture imperative? Yes. Is understanding what makes it a good culture even more important? I would argue absolutely. Now, you've surveyed thousands of employees and interviewed hundreds of employers to come to your unique conclusions and develop your powerful methodology, Eric. Talk to me a bit about the research which went into your groundbreaking book, Rethink Work. We surveyed thousands of, of employees on the front line in middle management, in senior leadership to understand what it was that they loved about their, their place of work, about what it was that they did on a day-to-day -day basis. And we tried to draw conclusions to say, okay, millennials want this, females want this, males want this, uh, in terms of workplace culture and experience at work. And what we found is there was no correlation. You know, millennials didn't want freedom and flexibility any more than anyone else did. There was nothing correlating number of emails with level of happiness, depending on race, gender, ethnicity, religion, uh, or, or anything in between. And so that allowed us to really understand that people, and I'll share this one, one most important line, people cared more about how they felt at work than what it was they were doing while they were at work. And I'll say that one more time. People cared more about how they feel at work than what it is that they do at work. And I think that that allows us to say that if we want to create a truly optimized place of work, if we want to win that talent war, and if we want to future-proof 
our organizations in the future. I think first we have to understand what makes our culture, our community, our team unique, what allows people who are already there to, to thrive, truly double down on that experience, and then scream it from the mountaintops. Because look, we might not want to attract those other people, and that's fine. But if we can understand the components of our culture and our community that are already there, that are working extremely well, and double down on that, then we don't have to be everything to everyone. And if I can share that when we try and be everything to everyone, we end up being nothing to anyone. And I see that organizations today are falling into this trap of trying to be everything to everyone, that they have a bit of an identity crisis. And we fall into phrases like we've got a good culture, we've got a, a, a great place to work, without understanding who that great culture or that great place to work is truly for. What would you say to leaders out there who who, uh, who perhaps are thinking about mimicking the the best bits of of uh, of Hilton or, or Salesforce and and essentially cloning uh, their company yeah. culture and and and, uh, and and using that for for their own business? Is that is that possible, or is every company completely unique and you should yeah, even I would try and copy extremely, Yeah, I would say that's extremely dangerous, actually, because as soon as we try and be something that we're not, I think we lose sight of of who we really are. Now, instead of trying to mimic or duplicate or copy somebody else's culture, what I would love to see companies try and do is to try and mimic or copy or duplicate that sense of belonging, that sense of community, that sense of psychological safety. Because I think for so long we've been trying to fix engagement. I don't think engagement actually is what we fix. Engagement is what happens when we fix what's broken. <laughs> so engagement is the result of fixing a sense of belonging, of value add, of impact, of purpose, of community of psychological safety. And so if any organization or any leader who's listening today wants to truly create that Hilton-esque or Salesforce-esque culture, find out how those employees feel that are working there and try and duplicate that emotion. But I can almost guarantee you that by taking the same steps and creating that exact same environment, it won't exactly work because Salesforce has really understood what works for their people. And if our people who are working in our teams really wanted that experience, they probably would have gone to Salesforce to get it. Okay, thank you. Now, in the context of what we've discussed so far, can, can you explain the concept of sharing the, and I love this term, sharing the one degree shifts that launch organizations yeah. into the future of work with confidence? Yeah, see, you know, I, I, I like to say that after studying the future of work, there's, there's, there's two things that people hate that I've come to realize. The first is change, and the second is the way things are. <laughs> so, so what that tells me is that we can't rock the boat. Uh, we can't do these 180-degree full turbulent shifts, but we can't stand still either because we know the world around us is moving faster than it ever has before. But I think what we fail to give ourselves credit for is learning and discovering and pivoting every step to what got us here today. And I think that if we continue to make these small one-degree shifts, if we learn and iterate and pivot and discover by making little tiny adjustments every day moving forward, that we can get to where we're going. And, you know, I'm, I'm about to launch my, my second book, and it's, it's actually called The One-Degree Shift. And what I like to say about that book is that it won't get you to where you're going, but it will get you from where you've come from. And if we can make those little one-degree shifts and continue to pivot and learn, I believe that we can truly thrive not only today, but into the future of work as well. 
Okay, so everything we spoke about so far uh, leads us on quite nicely to uh, to talking about the fact that you are the keynote speaker at the upcoming Innovate Work Toronto Summit happening November 26th at the Metro Convention Centre as one of the co-founders along with Rob Catalano. I'm super excited to, to have you there. Can you um, can you talk to us a bit about your, your session at Innovate Work Toronto? It's called Shifting from Teams to Community. Please can yeah. you maybe pr provide an overview of the session, why it matters to HR pros and leaders and, and some of those key learning outcomes as well, Eric. What I found, if I can just do a quick data dump right now, is that in Canada, the United States, 16 to 17 percent of employees are totally engaged. You know, that number goes up to 34, 35 that, that are engaged at work. But I was speaking with Deloitte a couple of weeks ago, and they said that their research shows that 71 percent of employees are currently looking for another job. That means our A players, even our B players, probably have an inbox message in their LinkedIn, an email or a phone call voicemail that suggests that they should be going somewhere else. And since World War II, we've been building teams, people that are aligned in the skill and they are aligned in our mission of the organization. And that's fine, but I don't think that's enough anymore as we get into the future of work. See, teams are aligned in their skill and they're aligned in their outcome, but if we can build a community instead that is rooted in fellowship, belonging, trust, psychological safety and is aligned in skills and their outcome then what happens is we, we put people first we ensure that they feel like they matter like they belong and that they're not just fitting in with the team which i think is what's happened in the past we change how we attract and retain talent based on the community that we've developed we focus on who we're attracting not just what skills they have we often ask what position we want to fill what i want to start asking is who will thrive in our team in our, in our organization. We start doubling down on what makes us polarizing, what makes us unique. Instead of just saying we're innovative, we're forward thinking, we're trusting, we're respectful. What I want to hear is what aren't we? What, is the, what are the things that you know, show our organization really puts a stake in the ground? I think we saw that with Gillette with their positive masculinity conversation. We saw that with Nike with the Colin Kaepernick commercial. We started to identify and really double down on the things that our company and that our teams really, really value that might be polarizing, that'll allow people to say, yes, I'm absolutely in or no. And, and I think the third piece that I want people to take away is that we, that we really need to make everyone feel like they belong. I call it giving everyone a paintbrush so that everyone feels that they're contributing, they're moving the needle forward, and that they're a part of something bigger than just the goals and the objectives of the organization. They're a part of this community. And I believe that if we can continue to, if we just continue to build teams, that we're setting ourselves up for failure because so many organizations now are making this one degree shift to building community that if we don't, I believe we fall behind too quickly and, it's, and, and, and we can't come back from it. But if we make these little one degree shifts that I'll walk through with stories and, and case studies on a, uh, in, in late November, um, that I believe that we can create a future-proof organization that all our employees truly feel like they belong to and they're, they're a deeper part of. Awesome. Thank you. We are already coming towards this uh, particular interview end. Before we do wrap things up today, Eric, two last questions for you. Sure. Uh, firstly, uh, any final thoughts for leaders looking to understand what an optimal culture looks like for their team and how they can attract and retain that next generation of talent? Just key, yeah. key thoughts perhaps you could leave them with. Key thoughts is that uh, experience and, and, and you know, for using the, the terminology culture, uh, I believe that 
that experience and culture varies from each team. Let's just say we're working with a multinational organization. The London office is going to have a different culture than the Toronto office. It's going to have a different culture than the Vancouver office. That's fine. All of them can be a part of and believe in the same mission, vision, values, and have the same purpose for the organization. But I would go so far as to say that the accounting team has a different culture than the marketing team has a different culture than the HR team. And I think that that's okay. So as a leader, if we really want to identify the components that make our community unique, start with the people that we work next to. Find out where we go after work. Go to these places and at the top of the funnel, start to fill these gaps so that we can truly build a united community, even if we, even knowing that we still believe in the same mission, vision, values of the organization. And I think that if we can truly hone in on what makes our team unique at the smallest level possible, that's when we continue to, to build great things. Wonderful. And just finally for today, how, how can our listeners connect with you? How can they learn more about Now Innovations? And how can they maybe get a copy of Rethink Work? Yeah, well, I'm hoping we'll have some copies of, of the book at, at the conference. Uh, so I'll, I'll make sure of that. And uh, otherwise, Amazon.ca uh, has a bunch. Indigo Coles Chapters has the books as well. Best place to get a hold of me uh, is just my website, ericturmoney.com, or to connect with me on LinkedIn and, and reach out there. I would love to have a chat. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Eric Turundi, thank you so much for being a guest on this special episode of the HR Chat Show. As always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.